Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 115 of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt Sin, also known as Wrestle Life Matt, and I'm here with my cousin Kyle to tell you all about what happened this week in wrestling. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. But before we get started, we have to do this day in wrestling history. So 29 years ago today, 29 Ric Flair walks out of WCW. Mm. He was told by Jim Hurd, hey, uh, you're fired from your booking duties. We want to cut your pay in half. And we want you to do a Spartacus gimmick. And Ric Flair said, lol, no, and just left. <laughs> and that's what happened. Yep. So he had the belt, which back then you had to put a deposit on the belt, which was $25,000. Think of this as Three decades ago, it's worth like 44-ish grand. Now, I believe it is, $45,000 when it comes to inflation. And so he just took it to uh, WWF with him. So, yeah, uh, he got, WWF got it, or WCW got it back. They sued. I don't know that whole story. Uh, but, yeah, Jim Hurd wouldn't return the money, so Ric Flair kept the belt and showed it on the Rival Company's TV show, which is ironic. Because no matter how much Ric Flair does with WWF slash E for the rest of his life, he will always be thought of as an NWA, a WCW guy, I, I believe, except for very, very young fans. Don't you think? Yeah, and it's it's also funny that he took the belt to WWE TV. And you could say the whole reason behind the Montreal screw job, which happened, you know, a couple years later, was uh, you know, the result of Medusa taking the women's belt on WWE or WCW television and throwing it into the trash. And yeah, Vince like became ever terrified of letting his talent go that like had titles and all this stuff. And the fear was that he didn't not that he didn't trust Brett supposedly, but he didn't trust Eric Bischoff with uh Brett Hart, his champion leaving and going to WCW. So that's why he screwed Brett. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd really like to do a Montreal screw job episode, but I feel like it's been so overdone. I don't really know what we can add to it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, there's still people who think it's a work. Which that they, just blows my mind. I don't yeah. get that at all. <laughs> they can't They can't work a long-term storyline if they try now. So I don't know right. like, why they think that Vince was such a genius yeah. to do that, but... Yeah, makes zero sense, none. Also, um, it is actually June 30th, even though we just did wrestle this day in wrestling history for July 1st. We're recording on June 30th, so a very happy birthday to Mr. Cody Rhodes, Mr. Dax Harwood, slash Scott Dawson, and of course, Mr. Terry Funk. Hope you guys all had an absolutely wonderful birthday. We know you're listening. Funk you! <laughs> and I don't is, have to edit that, thank you. Yeah, it's the name of his wrestling school. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So let's uh, let's move into some wrestling for the week. Some wrestling. Yep. Let's talk about Dynamite, which was so, so long ago. Yeah, I, I barely remember it. <laughs> yeah. Which like, Mike and I have talked about. It, it tends to happen with Dynamite just because it happens about you know a week after the show and there's so much right. else happens. When it, it comes back around, we're like, it feels like a month ago. I know. Until we actually watch it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. But we uh, we got a lot to cover. This was actually a really interesting show. 
uh, really unique dynamite, which is cool. They've been around for over a year now, and we're still getting unique stuff. Um, we got the first Lumberjack match, which opened the show. And it was Luchasaurus versus Wardlow. Big men, big meaty man slapping meat. Yep. As both Big E and Micah like to say. And this was a, a really strange Lumberjack match. So basically, you had good guys on one side, bad guys on the other, right? Yes. So when Wardlow got tossed out and all the faces were there, they did not attack Wardlow because they're good guys, right? <laughs> Even though the whole point they're there is to throw them back in the ring. Yes. When Luchasaurus got tossed out, all the hills just like start destroying him. Uh-huh. And then the faces come to save him. I'm like, wait a second. This is not how a lumberjack match works. So is that a gripe? Yeah. And it wasn't like this incredibly stupid thing, but it, it did point out something that was strange to someone like me who's been a wrestling fan his whole life. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could say that like, I get the whole babyface is not attacking Wardlow thing, but he's been a jerk. <laughs> like, it's not like he's just a, a dude that's, you know, wrestling yeah. Luchasaurus. Like, he's been a complete jerk to probably half these guys. And yeah, like, you have all the right to beat the crap out of him. At least, like, all, like, grab him and toss him back in there so Luchasaurus can, you know, get back on top. Like, yeah, so. Probably not the smartest baby faces, I guess. Yeah, and then, then they're up fighting by the entrance ramp. And of all the people, Marco Stunt comes and attacks Wardlow. The heel, the the, the heels are not the one that attack. The babyface is the one that attacks. Uh, and no, 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 it was Brandon Cutler. Is who it was. And so uh, Wardlow just chunks him off the stage. Then Marco Stunt comes. He gets chunked off the stage. What this did do, and it did achieve, was made Wardlow look like a bad son of a gun. But uh, it was still questionable. Uh, then Wardlow gets tossed off, he gets caught, and then Luchasaurus does a dive off the top uh, onto about 20 guys. It looked really, really good. And then they wrestled for a little bit more. They both got into the ring. Wardlow does an F10 and gets the three count over Luchasaurus, which was also a little surprising. And I get they want to push Wardlow, but Luchasaurus everyone loves Luchasaurus and I don't think I've ever seen him win a singles match in AEW. Yeah. And they've been pretty good about not doing many like dirty finishes, I guess, but um, obviously the ref was distracted. Wardlow hits a low blow and then hits the F10. So, I mean, you could say he didn't beat him completely clean because he, you know, had to resort to resort to dirty tricks to do it. But, Still, it's him beating Luchasaurus clean, um, like just clean pin at least. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, obviously they're building towards MJF. Uh, Jungle Boy is still kind of having something going on, and uh, then after the match, they announced that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus MJF and Wardlow at Fighter Fest. So, uh, which I think will be a pretty good match. Yeah. It could be interesting. There's a lot of different stories that they could tell here. Uh, They could have Wardlow get pinned and MGF blame him for the loss. They could have MGF get pinned and he could still blame Wardlow for the loss. You could have Lucha Boy, Lucha Boy, 
uh, Jungle Boy <laughs> and Luchasaurus get pinned specifically by MJF, and MJF could continue his undefeated streak, which I think will probably happen. A lot of different things could happen here, which is what I really like. I like the whole, okay, there's not just one obvious outcome, right? There are a lot of things that could happen with this, and I, I really like that idea. Yeah, and, and Marco Sun could debut his new gimmick, Lucha Boy. Lucha Boy? Yeah. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. Uh, so Britt Baker's passing a note to Tony Schiavone. She says he's still on a friend timeout. She's got this plexiglass around her and a security guard. Yeah. So uh, making sure nothing bad happens to her. As yeah, nothing possibly could badly happen. No, how dare? How dare? Uh, so Hikaru Shida comes out, and Penelope Ford is in the in the crowd. Ashita still wearing her Final Fantasy VII Tifa Lockhart garb, by the way. I thought it was a one-time special thing, but she has been wearing it since she won the title. So, interesting. I guess this is just her look now. Uh, she gets in Penelope Ford's face, and Penelope decks her, and they pull them apart. Ashita uh, slides in the ring. She is wrestling Red Velvet, who is a talented indie star, but tonight she was nothing. Ashita <laughs> beat her in about... 18 seconds, and that, that might be generous. It might be shorter than that. Yeah. Uh, she went out of the ring immediately, and then her and Penelope Ford had to be pulled apart to because she attacked her. She returned the punch, basically. I actually like this a lot, because um, it made Sheeta look, yeah, like, it made her look just awesome. awesome. It? Like, yeah, she she like was out there. Uh, like Her and Penelope were getting into it. She was just like, all right, hold on one second. Went in there, hit the Falcon Arrow, picked the win, beat this geek. She went immediately went back out and just like just went right after Penelope. Like it was awesome. And she slapped Kip Sabian, broke his his uh, sunglasses. Uh, yeah, it sort of looked made her Cheetah look awesome. Like she just like such yeah, hilarious too because he had one of the lenses were out in the sunglasses. He was like trying to calm down Penelope Ford, and he had one of the sunglass lens in. It was really funny looking. It was a good visual. Took him a minute to figure out they were broken. <laughs> He's trying to right. calm Penelope down. And then he realized it was like, wait a minute, she broke my glasses. <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's good. Yeah. So we then have a press conference, which is really interesting. Um, I do not believe that AEW has had an on-screen press conference for a fight as of yet. That may be incorrect, but I don't remember it happening. So Cody and his posse are there, Dustin, Brandy. Allie is there, but QT Marshall isn't, which I found kind of strange, as QT is the only one that really likes her. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, QT Marshall was away for uh, COVID-19. I'm not sure if he has it. I can't remember if he has it or if he was exposed to it. But either way, he was staying home. Uh, so basically, Cody and Jake Hager... Um, or I'm sorry, Jake Hager comes in with his wife after Cody's like, where is he? Uh, they have a stare down. Jake puts his fist on Cody's face. Cody knocks it away. And uh, Jake turns around and walks away. And then his wife comes and like splashes water on Cody. And uh, he looks very angry, but he holds Dustin back as if Dustin was going to attack this poor little woman. Not going to happen. Uh, and then he says, you know what? We're going to, it's okay. It's okay. Jake will get his. And that's everything. That's what happened. I think uh, Hager's wife, Catalina, is her name. I think she's an awesome yes. heel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would not mind seeing a feud between 
Cody and Hager that spilled into Catalina and uh, Brandy getting involved. I think it'd be fairly entertaining, but I don't know if they're actually going to go that far. But uh, I, yeah, she's just she'd just be like a. I don't know if she should be a regular. I kind of like her in the small doses that we've had her. She she was obviously at ringside uh, between uh, who was Hager had the match with was it Dustin and uh, so she got involved there, but she was like a constant you know, basically like his manager that was standing over the guardrail the entire time out right. of the crowd. And I thought she was a great heel then. And she was a great heel in this segment too. So uh, maybe not have her on the show every week, but I like her as a heel being around. Yeah, I agree. I like her as well. Um, I don't think I'd want to see her every week, but I, I do understand. You know, right. She's not Britt Baker, but she's, she's no. still a good heel. Right. So we go and we have a follow-up to Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela driving around in this little car. Uh, they stop at a gas station. Joey Janela goes in to get some snacks because that's what you do at a gas station. Sunny Kiss is putting in uh, gas and then like four or five guys come up and they start antagonizing Sunny Kiss. Now, I will be honest and I'm not the only person that thought this because I had a conversation with someone else. I'm like... Are they making fun of him because he is effeminate? Like, that was my, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. That is just the first thing I thought of when four thugs are coming up towards a effeminate man in the middle of the night at a gas station. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, no, what are we trying to do here? But that is not what happened uh, because AEW is too smart for that. That is what WWE would do, but we are not in WWE. And, uh... They're like, we want to have drive your car. Give us the keys. So they were trying to steal the car, which I mean, it was very eighties movie, nineties movie. But you know what? I like the uh, Viking prophets versus the ninjas, so I can't complain about this. It was fine. <laughs> uh, Sunny Kiss starts to destroy them because he is a professional wrestler, and which means he is also a superhero. So he starts to take them all down. Joey Janela is shown inside grabbing snacks with like this elevator music. It is very funny. Back to Sunny Kiss, who's kicking butt. Back to Joey Janela, who walks out like holding bags worth of stuff. And he sees Sunny Kiss fighting. They both destroy these thugs who are down for the count. And uh, Sunny tells Joey to drive. And Sunny Kiss says, I can get used to this. And they drive off. And then we start a match with Joey Janela and Sunny Kiss, who to which they promptly lose. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. the snacks did not pay off for uh, Mr. Janela. <laughs> It's just, it's very weird, AEW, who, what's what's the new girl's name? I can't remember, that lost to the zombie girl last week. Anna J. They lost to Abaddon. They made a big deal out of her. She lost, which is fine, because it's really dumb when you have this person in action. Highlight this person. Obvious win, right? It's nice when it's different, but this is the second week in a row. Um, I probably would not have made such a big deal out of this because obviously they're not beating Colt Cabana and Brody Lee, uh, which is exactly what happened. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana won. Uh, they won by Brody hitting his finisher, letting Colt get the pinfall. He literally held out his arms and said, here you go. And Colt got the pinfall. Afterwards, Lance Archer came, comes out and absolutely murder hawks Sonny and Joey Janela. So whatever push they were receiving from their little car segment is now... In my opinion, dead. Like, obviously yeah. it can be rebuilt, but if, if you want to make guys look strong, this isn't necessarily the way to do it, in my opinion. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I agree. It was 
I, I like the Anna Jay thing that they did last week because, I mean, it was her debut. She's like a young superstar, and uh, it had a purpose because she was teased at, you know, possibly joining the Dark Order, who, you know, as we know, recruits losers. So right. uh, it made perfect sense. And, and Abaddon, you know, it was a good debut for her in that character. So I, I was totally fine with it. And I actually liked how they did that. Here, I agree, it doesn't really make as much sense and it's definitely not the same situation. Uh, they, you know, put over Sunny Kiss and Janela, even put over Sunny Kiss as being like, you know, like this dude who can go out there and just destroy people. Um, and then like the very next thing they get, they, they get beaten a match. I mean, decent match. It was a pretty good match, but uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to see Brody Lee and Cole Cabana lose. I guess if they had to lose, Cole Cabana probably should have taken the fall, but Right. Especially coming right after that thing, it felt like the wrong team won. And then, like you said, right after they just get killed by the murder hawk and Jake's Jake uh, has to come out and like stop and pull him off. And it's just like, what was the point? I mean, right. You're trying to get him over and then you just come out here and kill him. Yeah. It just didn't make much sense either to me. Yeah. So after that was over, um, they do like this little recap of Sean Spears Beating Pineapple Pete, he won by sticking a foreign object in that black glove that we saw Tully give him. It was interesting, uh, and it's a direction, so I'm all for this. Let it it slide. Also, it was a recap of Dark. Yes, please, more of that, because a lot of people don't watch Dark. So, very good. Very good. Uh, We move into FTR versus SCU on AEW. That was fun to say. Uh, This match was amazing, and... It was straight up the eighties. Yeah, you know I love old school wrestling matches, and holy smokes, like it was just so so good. Uh, everyone knows that Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are amazing high flyers, but they wrestled and, and they still kept their their they still wrestled like Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, but it was a very old school match with against a tag team that are very old school style wrestlers. Um. They're just so good. Like, all four of these guys are just so good. And I've been a big fan of the Revival slash FTR for ye- years. And if you guys have listened to us for a long time, you know how big of a fan I am. It, it was just, and I don't really even have the words. Like, it was just good. It was just so, so good. Also, I heard someone say that the Goodnight Express is a poor finisher name. That person is wrong. It is a an homage to the Midnight Express, and it was absolutely great. FTR wins by pinfall by uh, hitting the Goodnight Express slash Shatter Machine on Christopher Daniels. One, two, three. Really good. In fairness, Shatter Machine is a much cooler name. It is. Yes. But they can't use it anymore. And so they they named their finisher after one of the great tag team, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So I'm down with it. Yeah. Uh, Scott Dawson slash Dax Harwood, and I'm probably going to have to do that for the next couple months uh, until I get get the new names down. Everyone really learns it. I don't know if but I ever da- will. <laughs> yeah. Dax Harwood cuts a promo. I'm not sure which one's Dash and which one's Dawson. Uh, Dash <laughs> is the one with the hair. Dash slash Cash is the one with the hair. Uh, Dawson slash Harwood is the bald one. And so... Dawson slash Harwood is cutting a promo and the promo was really good and he basically said we're the best tag team on the planet and then they get interrupted by the Butcher and the Blade who 
are probably the worst tag team in AEW. And that's still high praise because all the tag teams in AEW are good. Uh, but just straight up, if you're looking at uh, records, other than the Hybrid 2, they probably have the worst ones, right? Yeah, worst and ones. yeah, I agree. They're in FTR's truck. And uh, then behind FTR appears Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers attack FTR. Who else but the Young Bucks save them? And then Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix run off. They get in the back of Dash and Dawson's, excuse me, uh, Harwood and Wheeler's truck. Now, all four of the enemy team is inside the truck, just like they've stolen a warthog in Halo. They back away and leave, and the truck is now stolen. It will be interesting to see who, if anyone, drives it in next week. We'll see. But we're going to have the Young Bucks and FTR as a team versus Phoenix and Pentagon and the Butcher and the Blade. And let me tell you, not only is that going to be really, really good, but this is really smart because they're not saying, okay, let's just throw the Young Bucks and the FTR together. Let's just do it. Everyone's been waiting for this match forever. Hopefully, hopefully, when it happens, we'll actually have fans in the crowd. We'll see. Yeah, so obviously... FTR is putting on good matches so far. Um, I'm just not feeling they're, the the take that they're doing. Is, I mean, they, they're not like, you know, the goofy guys that were going to be in WWE by any means. But, yeah, I mean, they're the same guys. They got the, the truck and all that stuff. But, like, them teaming with Young Bucks and, like, even they're, like, they're, it's, it's like they're trying to be babyface. But... I think they just work much better as a heel tag team. And they even, they cut off the ring like a heel tag team still. And they, they use a lot of the same tactics. So they still feel like the revival that were the heel tag team, but they're wanting us to treat it like, I I don't know. It's it's just weird. And I I just like the idea of kind of when they came, came in and cut that promo and almost ignored the young bucks and, like I like the idea of them just like wanting to come in and just like wipe out the rest of the tag teams and not even acknowledge the Young Bucks until they had to basically. Like maybe the Young Bucks won the titles or Young Bucks became the number one contenders, and it was almost like they were the heel team that came in. They're the outsiders, and you know they just come in and take the titles, and it's up to the Young Bucks to get them back or something. Like I, I kind of like that idea of the story more than them coming in and just being a babyface tag team, and I. I I'm guessing the thinking behind it is when they finally do wrestle there, they want people to cheer some people to cheer FTR, some to cheer young bucks. I, I don't know if that's, they just wanted to be both babyface tag teams. But to me, I think they're strongest when they're a heel team and the young bucks are the strongest when they're babyface team. So naturally you should build something around that, but I'm we'll not see. sure that I believe FTR is a babyface team right now. I think AEW does things a little bit differently than WWE, and they don't. They do a lot of shades of gray. Think of Hangman Page. Right. Hangman Page is supposed to be a heel, right? And he's being—I mean, it's just letter of the law. But he's being cheered, or he was until the fans get taken away. He was cheered since, just like Stone Cold. They try to make a big heel out of him. Everyone loves him. So I think that that's kind of what they're doing with FTR. I don't really know, but that that's kind of that's how I interpret it. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what I mean. And they could totally turn on the Young Bucks and 
you know, beat them up or something in this match. Yeah. That they're going to have, like, I mean, there's tons of possibilities. It's not saying that they are going to be babyface versus babyface, but uh, yeah, the, the way they're doing it right now, I'm just not too sure about like, it. I just rather see them as a full on heel tag team. Yeah. And be I like an that. outsider team, but yeah, it's fine. I get it. They're still putting on good matches, so it's not in the world. Right. Uh, we got a v- vignette for Omega and Paige versus the Best Friends, which would be a match at Fighter Fest. Um, Chuck Taylor said that Best Friends have never won tag team titles before. I did not know that. I had just assumed that they did. Uh, if I remember correctly, Trent Beretta did win a WWE Tag Team Championship when... Uh, uh, he was half of the Dude Busters. I might be misremembering, but every, everyone won the World Tag Team titles, so I'm sure at some point he probably did. Um, and then, of course, Heyman Page calls them weirdos because he's hilarious. And it was it was good. It was just a funny little vignette. It's fun. Yeah, it'll be, and it'll be a good match. So Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Mox gets a interview after this, and it was more of a vignette style. It was not a straight interview. Uh, of course, Mox isn't there because he was exposed to his lovely wife uh, and her coronavirus, so he's not there. But he did have a promo, and he said until he got attacked in the parking lot, he had no problems with Brian Cage, but uh, throwing him through a car windshield changed that. And he thinks at some point in some life they could have been friends, but not this life. And he says that um, Taz thinks Mox is damaged goods, but he's definitely not. And he'll show Brian Cage at Fighter Fest. We then turn to Brian Cage, who destroys a jobber, basically immediately. And it's funny because Taz even says, oh, "Hey guys, how you doing?" He he gets on commentary and he's like, "I won't be here long, so don't get used to me." And then Brian Cage wins in thirty seconds. And Taz is like, "All right, have a nice day, guys," and then leaves. And it was great. It's good. Stuck to his word. <laughs> he did. And then after the match, Taz cuts a promo on Mox. Um, he says that Brian Cage came to work and he wasn't afraid and Moxley stay whole, stayed home for some BS excuse. But of course, Taz is a heel here. AEW supposedly does not actually have any ill will towards John Moxley for staying home due to potential coronavirus. Um, and then he says that he can't wait for Brian Cage to take that title. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and it's... Obviously going to be interesting to see how they handle the Moxley situation because, as we said, he was exposed to Renee Young, who tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, will he actually show up at Fighter Fest? Um, who knows? Yeah. We might do a, since we won't have time to do a full Fighter Fest preview and review show, or we'll do reviews, of course. We won't have time to do a full preview. Maybe after this AEW review, we'll do like a... a uh, lightning round pick. Okay. There's only 10 matches, 11 matches. So, yeah, yeah. shouldn't be too hard. Uh, Britt Baker is like chilling in her heart, in her, in her heart, in her cart. Um, Reba is talking to her, which is Rebel, of course, is her real name. Uh, Big Swole has climbed on top of the cart. She's yelling at Britt Baker. Well, she she came she came to the well, side right, first right. was like tapping on her or yeah. something and Britt was like you can't do anything to me you're exactly you know, piece of trash all the stuff yeah and uh, Soul was like all right I'll be right back yep and so she climbed up on top of the truck grabbed a big old trash can and just dumped the whole thing in on Britt Baker 
And uh, yeah, so it was a good little spot. Yeah, it, it was, was absolutely, uh, it was really funny. Yeah, Britt Baker continues to uh, pick fights because she's, you know, she thinks she's untouchable and then she gets foiled in some way, you know, one way or another. So it's yeah. good. It was, it was very good. Uh, we get Matt Hardy versus Santana next. Ortiz is out there with Santana. Ortiz might be the funniest person, not funniest wrestler, funniest person in the entire world. He is so hilarious. Uh, this, of course, was supposed to be Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is coming back. Cody Rhodes officially said on his Twitter, uh, Sammy will come back a better wrestler and a better man. So hopefully it won't take too long. We miss you, Sammy. Um, and then so the fan, fans were able to vote on which Matt Hardy... They wanted to see, of course, Broken one, uh, but not by much, not by much. And uh, Matt Hardy, or I'm sorry, Santana rolls up Matt at the end, and then Matt switches it into his own roll-up, but this was not a standard WWE-style roll-up. It was a very interesting, uh, it's not the Oklahoma roll. It, it's like the the cruiserweights used to do in WCW, and I can't remember the name of it. Do you know what it's called? Um, No. You talking about the pin style? Yeah. It was just like a cradle pin. Yeah, like uh, Santana was on Hardy's shoulders, rolled forward, and like had his hands on uh, grabbing Hardy's legs while sitting on Matt Hardy's shoulders. And then Matt Hardy literally just rolled forward and uh, got the win. Ortiz and Santana attacked Matt Hardy and Private Party come out to make the save to set up Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. It's going to be good. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, your main event is not a match. Your main event is a segment between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho comes out first. Orange Cassidy then comes out very slowly. Chris Jericho yells at Orange Cassidy like a dad for a solid three minutes. He tells him that he better not try any of that bull crap, you know, half-done kicks with him. Because if he does, Chris Jericho will knock his teeth out. Orange Cassidy then immediately does exactly that. And Chris Jericho takes his glasses and breaks them into little pieces. That, of course, sets Orange Cassidy off. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Uh, That sets Orange Cassidy off. They attack, or they fight each other all up through the crowd, which I thought was very interesting uh, in the COVID-19 era. Uh, But they did go up to... uh, If you guys have seen Daly's Place... It's like the second section, and so if you think of a standard arena, it's like uh, about halfway up. And so Jericho hits Sammy Guevara with a microphone crane, which Sammy Guevara hits Orange Cassidy with a microphone crane. Orange Cassidy then starts bleeding what looks like from his ear. Uh, Chris Jericho stands or starts to pick him up, and uh, they both get on top of this railing. And then Orange Cassidy pushes Jericho back to the table. Jericho falls through the table. And Orange Cassidy stands there with blood running down his ear on his white shirt, looking like a freaking awesome superhero. I mean, this made him look like a million bucks. And then that is how AEW went off the air. And it it was great. Yeah, it was. Um, and surprisingly, uh, we did learn that AEW took a big hit this week in the ratings, and um, I was very surprised by it because Chris Jericho segments, you know, they tend to be pretty good. 
they were the highest AEW segments for a long time. Always, you know, never lost to NXT for the longest time. And Orange Cassidy, a lot of people think, you know, that he's a lot of people that think that, you know, he, he's like their favorite star, that he's he's one of the best stars in AEW. So you would think that having this main event segment uh, and, you know, they were advertising their feud on the show that it would kind of, you know, not suffer this type of fate. But for whatever reason, nobody really tuned in this week. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's because John Moxley wasn't there or. Theories for that. Okay. So none of the elite had a match. None of them. Right. Uh, Moxley wasn't even there and Jericho didn't have a match. And those are your big stars. Now you can argue future stars. Those are your big stars. Darby Allen wasn't there. He's a big deal. Um, And NXT was main evented by a triple threat match with Finn Balor, Keith Lee, and Johnny Gargano with the winner going on to face Adam Cole in a winner take all title versus title match. And that really, really drew apparently. So uh, I, think- I mean, they didn't have much more than they normally had. They obviously beat AEW, but they didn't like smash their normal number. It, it was really AEWs took a big hit. They lost yeah. like two hundred thousand viewers that they normally have, and uh, their audience um, above NXT usually skews pretty low. And that's kind of the big demographic people want you to hit is the yeah eighteen to forty nine demographic, and that's who AEW usually hits, and they usually take a hit. When something big happens in the news, um, if something's going on, like, you know, the young people, you know, choose to watch that or other things. And that tends to hurt AEW. But there wasn't really anything notable um, that was going on around this time. Maybe it was because there was a sudden spike in COVID cases and, you know, that was kind of taking over the news. But it wasn't like a big event. Uh, It was just kind of a story. So I I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. But um, it was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they didn't have any big... Uh, they didn't have a title match scheduled. Like you said, the elite, none of them were wrestling this week. Uh, Cody didn't wrestle. Jericho didn't wrestle. Moxley wasn't there. So they, yeah, they could all be contributing factors, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a trend. I mean, no, hopefully I don't not, but yeah, they still had, interesting. Yeah. AEW's had other stuff. Um, so that other weeks where they've, went down and they've they've bounced right back so i don't think this will be a trend but we'll see we'll know on thursday yeah so let's uh let's lightning round some uh fighter fest real quick all right so night one we've got mgf and wordlow versus jungle boy and luchasaurus uh, i'm gonna go jungle boy and luchasaurus i want to go him. mgf wordlow uh private party with matt hardy versus santana and ortiz uh, I'm going to go with Santana Ortiz. I am begrudgingly going to go with Private Party. I want Santana Ortiz to win, but we'll see. Uh, Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. Uh, I think Shida's going to win. Correct. Cody yep. versus Jake Hager. Cody. Correct. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus Best Friends. Uh, Hangman and Omega. I also agree with that one, but I wouldn't be flabbergasted. I really wouldn't if Best Friends won. I wouldn't. Because uh, I think one title might change in this two-week event. And if any of them do, I think it'll be that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, night two, we're not going to predict this one. But just so everyone knows, Nyla Rose will be in action. Which probably means she's going to win. But you know, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, SCU versus Dark Order. Uh, gotta go Dark Order. 
Agreed. Uh, Lance Archer versus Joey Janela. <laughs> Lance Archer. Okay. F- I agree. FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher Blade, Phoenix, and Pentagon. Uh, FTR, Young Bucks, for sure. I probably wouldn't pick FTR and Young Bucks if Phoenix and Pentagon tagged with any other tag team that's not Butcher and the Blade or the Hybrid 2. Uh, those are the two jobber tag teams. Uh, but I think in this instance, FTR versus and the Young Bucks are the correct answer. Uh, Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Jericho. Yeah, this one's really hard, isn't it? But Orange Cassidy hasn't really had a big win yet, and it makes you wonder if this is going to be it. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't... I think they'll have a great match, and it'll... I think in losing, Orange Cassidy could still come out strong. And so I think that's probably yeah. what they'll go for. But I think Chris yeah. Jericho will win in the end. Yeah, I'm really I'm really torn. I'm going to – you know what? Because we've agreed so much, I'm going to pick Orange Cassidy. Because I know we're going to agree with the last one too, Mox versus Cage. Uh, yeah, I think if they have the match, it's going to be Moxley. Obviously, yeah. there's still a lot to to go down with Moxley if, if he's actually going to be able to – uh, compete or not but we'll right see. yeah i'm also going to pick mock so we disagreed two on night one uh, only once on the second night so yeah we'll see how it goes should be good we'll see. Uh, if i'm going to grade this aew dynamite i'm probably going to give it an a minus i liked it uh, there were two jobber matches one of them made perfect sense the hikaru shida one was the best jobber match i've seen in a long time 100 percent, because it mattered it mattered, right? It was, okay, why is this person, why is this star going to beat this jobber in 18 seconds? Oh, because Penelope Ford ticked her off. She's going to go in, she's going to destroy her, so she can go right back out and attack Penelope Ford. It was great. Uh, and the whole show I thought was really good. I was disappointed to see the numbers because I really enjoyed this AEW Dynamite show. And I hope that it does trend back up. Uh, yeah, A-. minus. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, if, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a B, um, just because it did kind of lack some of that, the star power, um, at least, you know, within like the matches. And uh, it wasn't a giant show, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a solid show. It wasn't bad by any means. Um, like, yeah. like you said, all, everything on it was, you know, pretty well done. The Sunny Kiss, Joey Janela thing was a little bit baffling. But other than that, it was it was fine. It was a good show. So I give yeah. it a B. Okay, awesome. Uh, we're going to move into Friday Night SmackDown. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't grade this because I watched I watched highlights of this show. But as far as actually watching it, I probably watched 20 minutes. So I'm not going to grade this at the end. But uh, why, don't you, why don't you walk us through it? Uh, well, I don't know if I'd be able to grade it either because it was an Undertaker show. It's basically what it was. It was a complete focus on the Undertaker and his career. <sighs> Very strange. I mean, I know that the last ride docu series just ended, but I mean, the only thing I could think of was they needed something because I mean, as we know, I mean, we I guess we haven't really talked about it totally, but they had a COVID nineteen outbreak in the WWE Performance Center, and they've done a horrible job. Uh, I mean, if anybody knows me, you know how I feel about this whole pandemic thing. Like, I am. Some I would consider myself at a pretty high risk because uh, I have asthma. Uh, I've been quarantined since March, basically. I work at a healthcare company. So uh, I'm taking this very seriously. And a lot of people are not. 
WWE included. Um, they've went as far as to ban masks from the crowd early on. Uh, obviously, they're wearing them now. But, I mean, hey, it's because it broke out already. Uh, but uh, there have been many reports within WWE that they were just, like, banning masks. I mean, you could see it. There's nobody on TV before this that was wearing a mask. Um, and they were just doing temperature checks, which uh, I think are good if you – you know, are trying to screen people for people who try to come into work when they're sick or something. Uh, Cause I've been a victim of something like that before. Uh, and I've not been happy about it, but as a COVID test it is completely worthless. So uh, I was surprised that they were kind of doing that and it's come back to bite them because obviously Renee Young, as we said, is, I mean, it's affecting her, affecting AEW, affecting John Moxley. Uh, she tested positive. She was obviously in the ring with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles uh, last week, uh, both of which were not on this episode. Uh, well, technically AJ was, but he was not present for the live show. Uh, doesn't mean they have it, but they weren't there. So it's interesting. Um, and Jamie Noble tested positive, and he is an agent who has been around multiple people uh, during these tapings. So it's just not a good situation right now. Um, there's been rumors that as many as two dozen have tested positive. uh, And that's just like from the first round of testing. And it's kind of put things, you know, they're really just working with a skeleton crew of people on raw and SmackDown uh, as we'll get into. But uh, so this week it it, kind of, I think it turned into a tribute to the Undertaker. I don't think they were originally going to do that. And it doesn't really make much sense if you think about it, because yes, the last ride docuseries just ended. Yes. Taker says he has no desire to get in the ring but he didn't rule out a complete, you know, retirement. Uh, and it's not, they, they kind of teased it as like 30 years ago, the undertaker debuted, but he actually debuted survivor series. And as we know, survivor series is like in the fall, not in, uh, you know, at the end of June. So it's just kind of weird timing. And plus there's not fans there to enjoy it. You would think that like they at least wait to do like a proper, taker tribute of some kind and Andy wasn't even there. So, uh, but anyway, basically the whole show was, you know, centered around the undertaker. And like I said, I think dealing with this whole COVID-19 fiasco, uh, I think it kind of tailored the way they did the show. They originally said that Drew Gulak was going to face AJ Styles, but obviously that did not happen. Uh, plans changed because of this. So SmackDown opened with, uh, an awesome video covering the Taker's, uh, Taker's entire career with his de- debut. Uh, Paul Bear Kane was featured in it. Um, just a great video to open up the show. Then we had the Performance Center. Uh, all the members that are SmackDown that were there, which were not a whole lot of people, were standing on the stage. I, I get what they're doing, but it was just weird. It's one of those things that, like, I think the people backstage was like, oh, this will be awesome. We're going to have all these dudes out here paying tribute to The Undertaker. But like to me, it just came off really corny because they're all clapping like the fans do and saying, thank you, Taker. And it's good when it's genuine from the fans doing it. But when the performers are like, you're like faking. I mean, obviously somebody told them to do it. It's just not organic. So to me, it was just like, okay, whatever. So, um. Cole and Graves were there to announce that, you know, tonight's several superstars. We're going to talk about the legacy of the Undertaker. Basically have like, you know, um, they showed Batista, Stone Cold, um, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, all these stars from over the years talking about how great Taker was. 
Uh, and then we had a replay of the Boneyard match from WrestleMania 36, which was a good match. Uh, also yeah, showed that was also on like the Raw after Mania or the SmackDown after Mania. I can't remember. This is the second time it's been on free TV since April. Yeah, so I mean, it makes sense. Uh, and hey, AJ's your Intercontinental Champion, and he's not there this week, so I think it may be another way to. Yeah, the, I don't know, but true. They showed it again, all all forty minutes of it, however long it was. Uh, and Gallows and Anderson were actually there, so they'll get more royalties out of it, I guess. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, we reviewed this before, so we're not going to get into it. But you know, you know what it is: good match, good show on TV. Uh, immediately after the Boneyard match replay, uh, we go to break. Then we come back, and Corey Graves, and Michael Cole, or you know, welcome everybody back. You know, we're talking about, you know, Undertaker's legacy, um, you know, all this stuff. And then King Corbin comes out. He's in the ring. Uh, fans are like cheering for The Undertaker. And of course, he has to be out there to be the one that mocks The Undertaker. Uh, he t- talked about he, how he had a 30 year career because he sucked up the McMahon's money, claimed that uh, Taker was a member of a particular club. That being the, you know, Kiss My Butt Club by Vince. Uh, claimed the Taker held down his career. Uh, and he has to listen to all these legends talking about The Undertaker. Complained about all the stars coming on the stage and chanting. Uh, basically called <clears throat> The Undertaker by his name, Mark Calloway. And then he looked into the, take, into the camera and said, Taker sucked. So it's heel Corbin being heel for the sake of it. So suddenly, Jeff Hardy jumps him from behind and attacks him. Corbin runs off and Hardy stands tall. And they talk about how Hardy is, you know, a student or, uh, you know, he's coming up to defend the honor of The Undertaker. And that's what he's doing in sending Corbin packing. And uh, I don't know, just weird. Then we had Kurt Angle and Stone Cold discussing The Undertaker's career. Uh, in the back, Sarah went up to talk to Jeff, talk about how he was furious about Corbin insulting the Undertaker. He said that he Taker was a mentor to Jeff Hardy and that he graduated from, what was it, Dead Man U or something like that. Uh, he called it some kind of university with a degree. I don't know. Just like. He wasn't, though. The Undertaker was not a mentor to Jeff Hardy. Maybe backstage, but not in kayfabe. And they had a good match at one point, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Years it ago. was just. Super forced. It's they're throwing it together. So he promised to take care of Corbin because the Undertaker can't do it apparently. So yeah, then we got confirmation confirmation that Hardy and Corbin were going to meet the main event of the show. So then we had in a four way the to determine the uh, challenger for Bailey's Women's SmackDown title at Extreme Rules. Also very thrown together. Uh, it's four-way between Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans, and Dana Brooke. Uh, Bailey and Sasha came out and joined on commentary. This was like a very nothing match. It was fine. It wasn't bad, but it just happened. Like nothing particularly happened. There, there was a lot of, I guess, the bad stuff of it. There was a lot of like, like Alexa and Nikki were just like standing in the ring looking at Lacey and Dana. And they were just like staring at each other and like talking and like just like some weird standoff. And I just hate when they do that. 
in wrestling. It's like, you're supposed to be fighting. And they, they had some Alexa versus Nikki, but they were still like friends and like hugged in the match. But nothing really happened big. But basically the match ended when uh, Dana Brooke attempted like a her handspring elbow thing, but Lacey Evans hit her with the women's right, knocked her out. But before she could pin her, Nikki Cross just came up, rolled her up, and got the pin anyway. So, yeah, Lacey hit her finish and then got pinned immediately. So, yeah, Bailey was surprised, but it was weird because the the entire match as well, she just kept saying like, "Oh, this person looks like they're gonna win. That's fine. I beat them already," which is true. I guess everybody but Alexa maybe, but she, I guess technically she'd be Alexa like in a tag match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's like, "All right, I'll beat them again." So yeah, this did nobody really any favors. Uh, Nikki Cross is going to go up against Bailey. I'm assuming she's going to lose. It, it, I guess it'd only be interesting if Nikki Cross is able to win, but I'm assuming she's going to lose because she lost clean to Sasha like a week ago. And I don't know. I, I just don't see this being anything unless she wins. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, Nikki Cross versus Bailey at Extreme Rules is the match. No way Nikki is winning. Like, no way. I don't think so either. But I mean, the story is. Sasha's the one that's been winning all these matches lately. Bailey has kind of been throwing her into the fire. And Bailey's kind of, you know, Sasha's really been bailing them out in these tag matches. So the only thing I could see is like Nikki surprising Bailey and picking up the win. And then maybe Alexa and Nikki go off and do something. And then Bailey and Sasha go into their thing. Because they gotta do something at some point to get these two to start fighting each other, Bailey and Sasha. So that's the only thing I can see coming out of this, but I just don't see it happening. We'll see. But like I said, that's, that's the only thing I can see that'll make it interesting, but I just see Bailey beating Nikki and I'm like, okay, cool. So, uh, after this, we had in the back new day, Lucha house party, Miz and Morrison and Cesaro Nakamura that are arguing. We then got triple H and Shawn Michaels talking about the undertaker's career. Then we had new day and Lucha house party versus, Miz, Morrison, Shinsuke, and Cesaro. This is a pretty good match. Uh, it was fine. What was surprising was, uh, towards the end, New Day and Cesaro, they were brawling uh, and fought to the back, basically, on the outside, which left uh, Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison, which you would think would just result in Lucha House Party getting beat. But that's not, not what happened. Medley got the blind tag. Dorado hit a springboard stunner on the Miz. Dorado jumped off the top turnbuckle, hit a Hurricane off the apron onto Morrison, which was a scary looking spot. Uh, and then Metalik hit a big uh, top rope elbow on the Miz and pinned him. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Lucha House Party actually won. So that was good. I mean, fine. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a good match. Uh, I thought it was just building to New Day, Cesaro, uh, and Nakamura. And they kind of just fought to the back. And I'm like, okay, well, Miz and Morrison are going to pick up the win here, and it's going to be whatever. But I was kind of surprised that Dorado and Medley picked the win here, so I was happy with it. I just... Okay. Let's let's have a very brief discussion about how WWE just hot shots people for no reason. Uh-huh. So they go, oh, we need a new tag team to vie for this tag team title. Who can we choose now? How about Lucha House Party? So this team hasn't won darn near anything. In like two years, now they're, that what's probably going to happen is they're going to start winning matches and they're going to feed for the tag title, right? I mean, that that's probably what's going to happen. 
Well, I think they're still building to New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura. So, I, I mean, I'm guessing maybe uh, Metalik and Dorado will go up against Nakamura and Cesaro for like maybe a number one contender match and then Nakamura and Cesaro win. And that's kind of how they get up with New Day. I, I don't know. But uh, I just saw this as them doing 50-50 and wanting them to actually get a win. Yeah. And they didn't want to beat Nakamura and Cesaro or New Day. And so they just decided to let Lucha House Party win this time. But Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was fine with it because, I mean, I like Miz and Morrison, but I like John Morrison a lot more than I like The Miz. I kind of wish he'd just go out on his own. Uh, and they're not the tag champs anymore, so fine. I'm just fine with it. So, okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's a good match. So, you know, I, I, not much to complain about here. I agree, though. They do have a bad habit of just picking somebody. I mean, I guess, obviously, the Forgotten Sons are all but forgotten. Uh, so, yeah, maybe they do launch them into the tag match uh, against New Day, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, after this, Matt's uh, favorite star made his way down to the ring. The, uh, the Strowman Express. Yeah. Braun Strowman himself. Uh, he's coming to the ring and like Bray Wyatt flashes up on the screen. This uh, is actually where I turned it on, by the way. So good for me. How long did you keep it on? Uh, I kept it on because I, my understanding, I didn't understand what the show was about. And I'm like, oh, they're going to do a tribute for The Undertaker at the end. And then you message me and you're like, oh, I was through the whole show. Like, Whatever, it's on now. So I just left it on. Yeah, so... I mean, Braun Strowman came out. Um, we got a recap of, obviously, Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse from last week. Uh, his return of being, you know, the Wyatt family, Wyatt. Uh, so Str- Strowman comes out. He cuts a promo. I mean, it's weird. It's He, t- he tells a story basically about how, you know, he's hanging out with Wyatt in the swamps of Louisiana. And uh, basically, there was a water moccasin, and he was about to kill it. And Bray said, no, no, this is my friend. And Bray, like, got in his face. And the snake just bit him all over the place. And Wyatt just laughed at it. And he didn't die of poison or anything. He just got bit by it, and he was fine. And so that's when Strowman realized that this was the devil himself. And so he started doing evil things. Some of it he even liked. uh, But just said it was a dark part of his life. Um, he did like this weird, he basically mimicked the Wyatt laugh. He challenged Wyatt to return to the swamp. Uh, he promised to destroy him, drag him into the swamp and, uh, wants to know if Wyatt wants to return home one last time. So they're teasing us like a swamp match, I guess. Like, I think they actually did announce some type of weird match they're going to have, but... Yeah, it's going to be a Firefly Funhouse-type match. One of those... What is it called? Like the Boneyard match, but in a swamp, yeah, probably. exactly, yeah. Yeah, just a taped match, uh, which is fine. It's probably best for these two guys and not to do it in the ring. But, uh, I don't know. Like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good, either. It was just... I mean, probably his best delivered promo... But it was just BS. <laughs> like you know, it's it's written. It's like yeah. the story is just weird. Like why it just gets bitten up by the a snake. Same thing though. I'm like, oh yeah, the, he's actually delivering it fairly well. 
But yeah, yeah it was, it was dumb. But I mean, he did the best he could with it. It was just straight like they, you know, it's like obviously there's like a line that says, "All right, laugh in here to mimic Wyatt's laugh," and he had to do it, and it's just weird. But he did fine. It was okay. It's not the worst Strowman promo ever, but it was okay. Uh, but yeah, everything he was saying was stupid. It's the witchcraft. It's it, it fit right in with his Undertaker uh, show, but I mean, it's not the Undertaker, so it's just weird. So yeah. Uh, anyway, so we'll move on. Uh, in the back, we had an interview with Corbin, which he still continued to mock the Undertaker and Jeff Hardy. He promised to make Hardy rest in peace, so I guess it's going to kill him. Uh, then Batista and McFoley discussed Undertaker's career, um, which was, you know, I, I was, the, obviously these, you know, Taker impacted these guys' careers immensely. Uh, so it was cool hearing from them. And uh, then we got a recap of all the stuff that happened earlier, that, which led to the main event Jeff Hardy versus King Corbin. It was fine. Uh, Basically, Corbin was beating up Hardy the entire time. Uh, a lot of Hardy matches have been like this lately. They kept pushing that, you know, Hardy was out here defending The Undertaker's legacy. It's like, really? Yeah, when he came out, like, um, The Undertaker was a mentor to him. I'm like, yeah, like, Rey Mysterio was a mentor to Aleister Black. It didn't happen. Come on. Yeah, they're, just, they're trying to, they just force things that just don't need to be forced. Like, to say Hardy wanted to beat the crap out of the dude because he's being a jerk. Like, you don't have to say, like, he's fighting for the Undertaker's legacy. Like, his 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 undefeated streak, even though he's not undefeated anymore, but his streak at WrestleMania that people look back on so fondly, it's in jeopardy because this guy came out and said he sucked. Like, no, like, nobody cares. So they're yeah. fighting. Uh, we go to commercial break. Come back. And you, you think that they couldn't force... The narrative any further and make it any more silly, but they do. Now all the babyfaces are out. All the ones that you know aren't in jeopardy of having COVID or something are out of ringside, uh, cheering on. Not Jeff Hardy. <laughs> they're not out here. They're not out here to support Jeff Hardy. So not when he's being, not when Sheamus is killing him and calling him a drunk, and beating the crap out of him and threatening this guy's mental health. Nobody comes out and supports him then. But only when the Undertaker's legacy is on the line. Right. They're out there clapping. They're like, they, they're coming out to support Jeff because he's supporting the Undertaker. It's just like, just, just dumb. So, I mean, in basically a finish that nobody could, you know, that everybody saw coming from a mile away. Uh, Corbin charged in the ring. Hardy moved out of the way. Corbin crashed in the ring steps. Uh, Hardy then hit a swanton bomb. And picked to the win. It was, like I said, it was a fine match for what it was, I guess. But just, it happened. Uh, so after the match, Corbin attacks Hardy from behind, which is just, I mean, as dumb as dumb could be. I get he's the heel, but it's like, dude, you're surrounded. Right. You're, sur you're, you're surrounded by people. It's, and it's also, another thing, I'm going to nitpick. It's not a lumberjack match, so the referee just like lets these people sit out here, and they're clearly biased. I don't know why this referee didn't throw these people out, but whatever. I guess the referees he wants to see Undertaker's legacy defended as well. Obviously, but after the match, Corbin attacks Hardy from behind like an idiot. Obviously, the New Day run in to make the save, knock down Corbin. Biggie hits a big ending. Actually, Corbin did knocked 
uh, Kingston down, and then Biggie made the save and hit the big ending. Uh, Strowman gets invited into the ring by Hardy, hits the power slam on him. Then they invite Matt Riddle in. He hits the floating bro, which is basically the, like a whisperer in the wind, Swanton. And so then all the, all of them celebrate, and Corbin, you know, gets in packing. And then <laughs> I at least thought, I was like, okay, they actually did a pretty good job uh, of duping the fans because obviously SmackDown, they actually got a pretty big bump in rating this week. I think part of it is because the way that they were teasing it, they did a clever job of like not advertising the Undertaker, but possibly teasing that he might play a part in the finish of the match. Right. So this, a lot of people speculate is, you know, th- that might be the reason that ratings were as big as they were this week, that they had a lot of people coming on to talk about Taker. They had the Boneyard match and then the main event, uh, they didn't really dip because they thought maybe Taker might make an appearance or something. Not obviously right. have a match. He wasn't advertised, but maybe something would happen. Uh, we didn't get any of that. Uh, I thought at least, you know, they had Hardy kneeling down, doing the Taker pose towards the, the, the like the Titan Tron thing. And I was like, maybe like the Undertaker, even if it's not like the Undertaker in his gear, like turning around and like saluting them for defending his legacy or something. Maybe at least show like, I mean, we've seen a hundred interviews from Mark Calloway the past couple of weeks of him sitting in his office, talking to people on his webcam. I would even like, would have been okay with like him sitting at his desk, turning around his swivel chair and like his bandana and like just saluting Jeff Hardy something, but no yeah. <laughs> Hardy salutes the screen and they just show like the undertaker graphic of him just like posing. It's not even like him posing at WrestleMania. He's just like, He's just like posing on like a photo and it's just like the lamest. It's like everybody's <laughs> in on this undertaker celebration, but the undertaker, like he has zero to do with this. It's just like, this is just like the lamest. It's so forced and so contrived and not organic yeah. in any way. It just fell flat for me. So I don't know. It was, fine i guess if i had to give the show a rating i'd give it a c because i mean boneyard match we've seen it already like you said they replayed it before already we just saw it again it is a filler at this point and then the rest of the show is just like it, it happened uh i mean i guess it's just a resort of their you know what they were dealing with but yeah it, it just was a nothing happening show uh, it's not going to dictate anything that happens. It, I mean, I guess Nikki Cross is the the new contender for, you know, Bailey's belt, but I mean, even that match wasn't, it just kind of happened. So if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a C because it just, it was just average just happened. So yeah, that was SmackDown this week. It was basically the Undertaker show. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I watched the very, very ending and correct me if I'm wrong, but like no one was out there with him. And then they went to commercial break. When they came back, they were all there. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying like they, he was getting destroyed and then they came out. They're like, Oh, we can't let this, we can't let this geek ruin the undertaker's legacy by losing this match. Corbett. We got to go support him. Like, (laughs) Like I said, it's not like, and I mean, where were these people when Jeff Hardy was like, you know, being bullied, self-admittedly bullied by Sheamus and like 
threatening the dude's family, saying he's going to beat Jeff Hardy and make him, you know, turn back to alcohol and ruin, you know, his, you know, his, uh, sober soberness that he's got going on, I guess, recently. And, you know, like threatened to like ruin his family, like all this like horrible stuff he's talking about, like his wife and his kids, all this abuse he was doing to Jeff Hardy and nobody supported him until he was out there defending the Undertaker's honor against Corbin. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, whatever it, i mean it, like i said it was just very contrived very like thrown together and unorganic which is just so wwe so it yeah 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 i agree i know what you're saying well cool so you want to move to the other wwe show now sure the one that didn't feature the undertaker <laughs> WWE Raw. You know, before we, before we get started on that, let's let's take a quick break. Okay. Let's pay some bills, go to break, and then we'll come back and we'll review Raw and close the show. How about that? Sounds good to me. All right, ladies and germs, we'll be right back. Thank you kindly for being so patient and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We're going to move into WWE Raw, which opened with a brawl. But no, not like WWE usually opens with a brawl. They just started the show... And there was already a brawl happening. And as Sasha Banks and Bailey were attacking Asuka, Samoa Joe was in the ring doing his best to go, Oh, welcome to WWE Raw. There's already a brawl broken out. Oh, ha, ha. Okay. I mean, it was it was different, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense. But fine. Yeah, I'm not going to knock it because it's new. They're trying something new. Fine. Did they ever show what happened to lead to this? No, they did not. (laughs) Like, were they planning on having a nice segment and then they, you know, like, Bailey said something about Asuka's mom and then they got it, like, (laughs) nothing that preceded it. They were just like, well, we're just, we're we're running with this. This is what happened. Yeah, no, as far as I know, it's just kind of the way it works. Yep. So So they were fighting. Uh, Smojo tries to get order. They start fighting again. He calls the refs out there to break them up. The refs break him up, and he starts to welcome everyone to Raw officially when Dolph Ziggler interrupts him. Then Drew McIntyre comes out, and we have a double contract signing. Now, I ask you, in any other sport, would you have a double contract signing? Uh, I mean, maybe in the UFC, but they're, they could be very... They can be very gimmicky at times. I don't think they've ever done it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have a contract signing on live TV anyway because it's just right. like boring. But this WWE, they always have crazy contract signings. So yeah, yeah. And again, it begs the question: What happens to all those other matches? How come sometimes the GM's like, "You're going to wrestle this person tonight," and you're like, "Well, don't you have to sign a contract for that? Don't you have to agree to it?" Because that's it doesn't make any sense. It's just dumb. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, anyway, the girls start fighting again. So Dolph Ziggler gets up and he tries to cheaply super kick uh, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre then goes for the Claymore, but Ziggler runs out of the ring. The heels go up the ramp as Asuka and Drew McIntyre stand tall with their belts, which obviously means we're going to have a tag team match later tonight. I knew it absolutely immediately, and it was confirmed later on in the, in the show. So just, Yeah, all we were missing was Teddy Long. Yeah. Like, 
this was straight like i know we've made the joke before but seriously like two people out there brawling at the beginning of the show to set up the tag match for the mate like it was straight out of smackdown teddy long days right which is fine so, i guess i don't know but, i mean yeah it's, it it was fine was it good no but was it bad no not really it was just fine it was okay. It's just weird that, like, Drew McIntyre defeated Brock Lesnar. He kind of had a feud with Seth. He had a, a decent feud with Bobby Lashley, which I didn't think was over, you know, or had it still had some more life left in it. But no, he's out here feuding with Dolph Ziggler now. Yeah. It's just weird. It is weird. And I hope Drew McIntyre, who obviously isn't going to lose to Dolph Ziggler, but I hope he doesn't lose his next feud. And so his defenses were basically a bunch of nobodies. Seth Rollins and a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. So uh, and he's he's going to defend that title at uh, Extreme Rules, the horror the show. The horror show. Yeah. Which is what just, the heck? You'd think after they just had like a bunch of people possibly exposed to uh, COVID and you know most likely quarantine at this point, and especially due with everything that's going on in the world right now. Why? <laughs> Just yep. call it extreme rules. Nobody cares. Does it have to be the horror show? Do the other It's not even Halloween yet. Do they have <laughs> subtitles? No. No. They don't. Uh, just, just, it's just weird. Hmm. Money in the bank, money on the roof. <laughs> that's, what it should, that's what it should call it. 100%. Uh, so then you hey, have... Hey. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. You have Charlie backstage with Angel Guards. I'm sorry. Angel Guards is like flirting with the female ref, Jessica, I believe is her name, and uh, trying to get her on his side. She is not having any of it. But you know who is, who does want some of Angel Garza? Charlie, who shows up and she flirts with him. Uh, Andrade and Selena Vega then walk up and she's you know, asking how they're getting along. Then Big Show just randomly shows up and he's like, hey guys, I know you're supposed to be wrestling the Viking Raiders next, but I need to pull rank. I am, of course, the Big Show and I am a legend and I need to call it Randy Orton. So sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, but you're going to have to wait for me. Then he leaves. We'll go to commercial. And then, of course, Big Show's out there. He calls out Randy Orton. And of course, he gets interrupted by... Angel Garza, Andrade, and Zelina Vega, uh, who are coming up the ramp. They, uh, Zelina is yelling at him. She tells one of them to go and fight him, had to have a match. And, of course, they argue back and forth because neither one of them want to have a one-on-one with a big show. So then they, like, start surrounding him. And uh, then the Viking Raiders come up and make the save. Excuse me, that's not true. Ric Flair comes out first and says that he is doing Randy Orton's busy work and says that uh, Orton will, you know, handle the big show on his own time. He says he has all the respect in the world for Zelina and Andrade and Angel and apologizes for interrupting them, but he needed to to come out and say that on behalf of Randy Orton. He leaves. The big show scares off Andrade and Angel Garza. Then the Viking Raiders come out, and they brawl. We go to commercial, and we come back, and they are in a match. Viking Raiders versus Andrade and Angel Garza. And it was the weirdest setup and like most convoluted overbooked thing in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we talked about it 
uh, I've already shared my piece on how I felt about COVID, but when I saw Ric Flair, listen, like it's, it was bad enough when he was coming out with Orton the last couple weeks. Cause I was like, I mean, I, I told you, uh, Matt, that Orton's been doing some pretty good might work as of late yeah. in his feud with Edge. Why does Ric Flair need to come out and be his mouthpiece? I don't know, but he was okay. Whatever. Uh, you know, they thought they were testing people for this disease, but clearly they didn't do a good, a good enough job. And, you know, maybe even some of the superstars I, I heard, you know, were not doing as good of a job of, you know, keeping away from other people. They were kind of, I mean, the state of Florida is opening back up and I think they took a little bit of advantage of that. And so here we are, but knowing all this now, you would think at least, okay, we, you know, we're flirting with disaster anyway. We, you know, we, we obviously saw some people with masks in the crowd tonight, which is a good step in the right direction. Not everybody was wearing them, but some were, which is better than none, I guess. And then I was shocked when Ric Flair came out on stage because I was like, are you serious? This is a 70 plus year old man who notably almost died like what, a year ago? Yeah. Like came very close. It's probably as close as you could come to death. And here he is on the show for what reason? Not a good one. Uh, so yeah, I was like furious. I was like, this is stupid. Why is he out here? They're risking this man's health for this stupid show. Uh, and it's just completely useless. So yeah, very angry when I saw Ric Flair walk out, which yeah, I like Ric Flair. I don't want to be angry when I see him, but knowing that somebody called him and put him into the show and, you know, made him walk out there and do this. I mean, he probably was happy to do it, but you know, it's up to the people who run this company to, you know, if they're not gonna let somebody go in there with a concussion, and go and compete in the ring. They should have enough responsibility to say, "Hey, there's a disease out in the world, and we're in a global pandemic where it could possibly kill this man if he gets it. And we just had a breakout here. Let's not bring him on TV, especially without yeah. a mask." Uh, but they didn't do that. So, yeah, let's here not. he is. And the segment wasn't even good, so it makes it even worse. Right. <laughs> uh, the match was good, though. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and it was interesting. Andrade and Andrew Garza argue with each other. Uh, something happened. Some tag. Something happened. I can't remember. Andrade gets mad. He's leaving in the middle of the match, and uh, we go to commercial. As Zelina Vega was on commentary, she gets off of commentary to go talk to Andrade, and she's like, "No, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. You get back in the ring." And then, of course, after the commercial break, he's back. Um, Garza actually hit the wing clipper on Eric. After Andrade, what did he hit him with? Like he hit, he blocked the Viking experience. He did like this big German suplex, I think is what it was. He hit him. Was it with the juice effect? He hit with an elbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, his, yeah. His, yeah, his elbow. That's right. That's what it was. Uh, and then Garza came in, hit the wing clipper, and uh, Andrade came in like I thought he was going to interrupt the uh, interrupt the count, which would have been really weird. But he was stopping uh, Ivar from making the save. Then Andrade right. and Angel Garza get the win. I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's so WWE for them to put the Viking Raiders in those. I mean, I'll be in entertaining segments with the, yeah. uh, um, what you call it, Street Profits uh, in the last couple of weeks. But uh, 
I mean, they came out and lost to MVP and Bobby Lashley a couple weeks ago, just out of the blue. They lost the tag match against him. And now they're out here losing to Andrade and Angel Garza, who are fighting each other. So, uh, yeah, they, they were obviously not being pushed in this segment. They're just comedy guys now, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, not high hopes for the Viking Raiders in WWE going forward from me, I guess. Interesting. I uh, It was a good match, Viking, but... Yeah. The Viking Raiders... Again, this is what they were ta- just talking about with the Lucha, bro- the Lucha Brothers. The uh, Lucha House Party. Yeah. They want to hot shot someone in, so they just they get a win. Just randomly. Same thing that happened with Charlotte and Asuka a week or two ago. Two weeks ago, I think it was. It just doesn't matter. They just go, okay, we need this person to win because they are going to wrestle the champions next. So these other guys that have been basically undefeated until they lost to the champions, we're just going to feed them to them. This doesn't make any sense, and it's frustrating. Yep. It's uh, Vinnie Mac. Yeah. He, he, he changes his mind all the time. He decides he wants to do something else. And, I mean, it's it's hard to completely blame the, the writers or, you know, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, I mean, they do say yes to him. And, I mean, I mean it's his show, I guess. But it's... Yeah, it, it has happened far too often, and it's yeah. I just hate to see the Viking Raiders, who are a very talented tag team, just kind of be put in a position like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So then we have Ruby Riot backstage. The Iconics come up to her and start yelling at her, bullying her. Yeah, bullying bullying her. Even though Ruby Riot is supposed to be like this hardcore punk heel, uh, who I guess is now a babyface because last week she was like. Oh, Liv, you're sad. Let me be your friend. And Liv rightfully walks away because Ruby Riot just came back and just absolutely demolished her, her former best friend. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but Ru- Ruby Riot, like, teases that she's going to say iconic to make fun of the iconics. They are absolutely comedic geniuses. And, like, no, don't you do it. Don't you dare. Riot says iconic, walks away. And, like, I believe it was Peyton said, she did it. And it was just so funny. It was just so good. I loved their little nuances. The Iconics being back on TV is terrific. Zelina Vegas backstage with Andrade and Angel Garza. She is trying to talk them down from uh, uh, the arguments they have had with each other. And Ric Flair shows up and says he had a good win and that he has an idea he wants to talk to them about. Uh, we can see where this is going. Our truth wrestled Akira Dezawa next. It doesn't matter. Our truth is your new 24-7 champion. Ninja's worth there. I would also like to know Flair was in close proximity to all three Vega, Garza, and Andrade here. So hopefully yeah. none of them have been in contact with anybody COVID. Uh, and yeah, you're right. R-Truth and Tozawa. I was at least hopeful. I was like, you know what? If Tozawa holds this 24-7 belt for a while, it could be pretty entertaining. Even though, you know, I've complained about this ninja gimmick and what all, you know, maybe, just maybe they could do something a little bit, you know, goofy with it and make it at least entertaining. But uh, this was not entertaining. It, it, it was like a minute. He gets beat, and Truth just had to belt again. And I'm just like, what is the point? Why are we still I doing this? I saw a commenter, I think it was on Reddit, say that you might as well call it the R-Truth Appreciation Award at this point. Because the only reason it's there is because Vince loves R-Truth and wants to give him something to do. And you know what? I also love R-Truth. But if you're a billion-dollar company, can't you write something else for him to do? Or just have him beat people. Yeah. Not, not for a belt. Or lose that the means people. nothing. Yeah. 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 Just have him on TV. 
He's funny. His stuff with Brock Lesnar was amazing. Have him have a match with Brock Lesnar. Have Brock Lesnar destroy him and have fun doing it. Or Don't Bobby make Lashley. It a 30-second match. He's yeah. Already, he's already been destroyed by him, so. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to see Brock Lesnar come back not in the title scene just to mess with R-Truth? Like, R-Truth's out there doing something stupid and Brock is like, this is really stupid. And he just beats the crap out of him for five minutes. Be great. Yeah, be amazing. I'd like, like to get Chris's opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably I have also a little, would like little differing get, opinion on it. Yeah, I'd love to get Chris's opinion. He does not want to see him back, I am sure. <laughs> um, after the 24-7 match, a ninja tried to roll up R-Truth. R-Truth, he, did, he kicked out, ran away. A bunch of ninjas chased him. They go. Uh, MVP and Bobby Lashley are backstage. They talk about uh, teaching Apollo Crews a lesson. Seth Rollins is backstage holding a Rey Mysterio mask. He cuts a promo and says that he really needs to make, I think he said... His most important statement to date, if I remember that being correct. It's, it was weird, too, because Lashley and MVP were talking, and then they, like, walked away, which usually just, like, fades out, and then we fade back into another. But they just, like, walked in front of Seth and Murphy, and they just looked at them like it disgust, like they were interrupting an important meeting. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're standing, like, two feet from them, so. <laughs> and you weren't on camera. So then the camera's like, oh, hey, Seth and Murphy. And then he, yes, he said he had the most important message to date. And he's yeah. going to deliver now. Also, Austin Theory was not there with him tonight. Yeah. Um, we go we go to the ring. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Not your Buddy Murphy is there. Uh, and Seth Rollins is holding his Rey Mysterio mask. And he cuts a, he cuts a good promo. He talks about giving Ray a chance to leave on Ray's terms, um, but now he must become a sacrifice. He said something about uh, his son Dominic is now going to be the next sacrifice, I believe. And uh, then Ray and Dominic appear on the screen, and uh, Ray asks for forgiveness for what he's going to do to Seth Rollins, and uh, he says what he does to Rollins will not be fate; it will be by design. Dominic said, of course I forgive you, Dad, but I'll never forgive that nasty Seth Rollins. It was very scripted. Uh, Dominic is doing his best. And uh, Rollins gives Dominic some credit. And then uh, you get music hits, and Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo come out. Uh, so this is what happens. This is exactly what happens. Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo come out. They slide in the ring, and then Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy slide out. We go to commercial. And then when they come back, Seth Rollins looks at them and says, Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo, I was expecting you. I'm like, wait a second. This commercial has been going on for three minutes. Did he just like sit here in kayfabe and stare at them for three minutes? And that way, wait, the camera's back on? Good. Hey, I was expecting you guys. Is that I what happened? I knew you'd come. I knew you'd. Yeah, so perfect. But it was so stupid. It was so, so stupid. And it's like, one of the reasons I hate Seth Rollins is because the guy is so poorly written. And he always does this dumb stuff. Now that he's playing a heel, he can't do this dumb stuff. And now he's just a, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. The good guy slide in the ring. And I guess what happened is Seth and Burley, Seth and Buddy, Slides out of the ring with her arms crossed as Alistair Black's music plays for three more minutes. Then after the music cuts off, the camera comes back on. 
Then he cuts the promo. It was dumb. It was just dumb. I, I will say, like, uh, this is also the man who was baffled and did not understand at all why John Moxley was not happy with his position in the company and wanted to leave WWE. Right. So. Right. <laughs> same dude. I same mean, fella. I've never seen a company guy, just a company guy like Rollins. I, just, I mean, of course I have, but it's just so frustrating. It's so yeah. frustrating. Uh, Seth Rollins pins Humberto Carrillo because, of course, he does. Humberto is not allowed to get a win. He is the male version of Ruby Riot. Uh, we have he puts Ray's mask on Carrillo. He's like, "You look just like him," and then he drags him to the steps. Says this for the greater good. He tries to stab out his eye, but luckily, Alistair Black makes the save. We go to Oscar and Drew McIntyre. They're backstage talking, which is funny because, as far as the crowd knows, Oscar cannot speak English because she never does. Sarah Shriver comes up and she says, hey, any comment about tonight's main event? And Asuka speaks in Japanese. Your dog barks. And then and then Drew McIntyre says uh, they're going to have fun tonight. He says he's going to let Dolph Ziggler pick their step stipulation extreme rules, which I believe he also said during the opening segment. Uh, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, video package about the Undertaker tribute. Ruby Riot is backstage. Lana approaches her. And... Uh, Says, hey, I know it's it's hard not to have friends, but... And then Ruby interrupts. And she's like, look, why don't you go ruin someone else's career? Which was great. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. She she said, hey, Natalia's got more wins than Hall of Famer Lita, which was funny. Uh, Lana says, we need a leader. Natalia is that leader. And obviously Natalia is a locker room leader. Um, I do kind of like where this Natalia thing is going. I don't like that they turned her on a dime. I hate that. But I, I do I do understand where they're going with it, and I think that will be good. Yeah, it's basically the female big show at this point. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Peyton Royce, this is Ruby Riot, And I said, during that earlier interview, I think I actually messaged you guys, and I said, hey, it looks like uh, Ruby's going to get a win tonight. It didn't happen. No. Peyton Royce beat her in three minutes with a really cool finisher. It's like a twisting brain buster. It was really awesome. But, uh, yeah, no. Peyton Royce destroys her. Ruby Riot still looks like a dope. I don't get it. Yeah, this was very uh, – the finish is probably the best part of this match. Uh, but, I mean, what led up to it and, yeah, like you said, like she was getting bullied backstage by these two, and they're kind of goofs anyway. Uh, so the fact that she just came out here and she got beat by her so – convincingly and it was it just made ruby light ruby right look as you know just a dumb baby face because she was in control at points but which is like easily distracted by peyton screaming on the outside like yeah it's just she's just dumb so i was i was kind of happy when she got beat because i was like well you deserve it because like she had the you know had the match in her control billy k yelled at her and she completely turned her attention away and that's when Peyton uh, hit her with an enziguri and then like the spinning brain buster finisher she's got for the win. So uh, did not make Ruby Riot look any good. Uh, I, guess, I guess it's going to set up for Morgan to do something with her. Maybe they're going to tag against the Iconics now since I guess the Iconics aren't going to have a women's title, tag title shot anymore, which this is exactly what I was afraid of when I – we talked about the uh, Bailey and Sasha winning the belts. You know, I was hoping that they didn't keep the belts and I was kind of baffled at why they would keep them. Uh, 
for this very reason because I was like, well, what is where is everybody else going to do from this point on? So because obviously Bailey and Sasha are going to feud at some point, and I mean Alexa and Nikki. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go the separate ways. Peyton and Billy are, you know, they're doing something else. So the women's tag division is like nothing right now. Yeah, that's true. It it really has been since it started. They never really had it. It is. I don't want to see a women's tag division in WWE, not because I don't want to see women wrestle, but because they have two men's tag title belts that they don't pay any attention to. And they have actual tag teams on their roster. There are no, like, there is, what, one actual women's tag team, the Iconics? Are there any others that is an actual, literal tag team? Not like Mandy Rose and Sonny Deville, who were two singles wrestlers that are friends and tagged. Not well, you could say they had the, the Riot Squad was, but they broke them up. Yeah, but they broke them up, and they, they fired, fired one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, no, they never had a women's tag team division. I would have liked to see them build up that division before introducing titles instead of introducing titles and then try to build up a division that they have no interest in in the first place. Yep, no, I totally so, agree. Yeah, nothing against women's wrestling, nothing against women's tag teams, but it's just the fact that the, the titles don't matter. So they I do don't not. like to see them introduce titles that don't matter. Like 24-7 title, trash it. It's dumb now. It was funny at first, it was dumb. Toss it. Uh, I did see someone uh, say that uh, Australian wrestler Indy Hartwell, who is a NXT wrestler, uh, she got destroyed by Shayna Baszler, who has disappeared uh, about a month or so ago on Raw, that she should join the Iconics, and then they should call the three of them the New Bay. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny, and I wanted to I wanted to mention it. Sure. Why not? Yeah, it's great. Uh, so Charlie's backstage is Big Show, and she's like, hey, uh, what about tonight's handicap match against Andrew Garza and Andrade? And do you think this is a trap? Do you think Randy Orton will attack you? And Big Show's like, well, Ric Flair is the dirtiest player in the game, and he's mentoring Orton, so we'll see. Okay. Is he so, mentoring Orton? I guess. <laughs> and then so Can he mentor a dude who's like 40 years old? I have no idea. And then so Big Show's like, they're not going to get the friendly giant. They're going to get the angry giant, like you said last week. So maybe that'll be a t-shirt soon. Uh, Andrade and Andrew Garza wrestled Big Show. Uh, Andrade shoves Garza. Garza walks out, much like Andrade did earlier. Uh, Andrade gets choke slammed by Big Show. Big Show wins. Uh, and oh, oh, Big they Show could, picks up. They can beat the Viking Raiders, but they can't, they can't beat the Big Show. That is correct. Uh, two matches, yeah. Two matches in one night for these guys. They are workhorses. Uh, show picks up Andrade, hits a big knockout punch. Boom. Ricochet and Cedric Alexander are backstage with Apollo Crews, and R-Truth comes up, and he's like... I'm assuming they were talking to him to figure out how he dug himself out of the hole that was, uh, you know... The ninjas. Yeah. Well, Apollo was, you know, jobbing with Shorty G on SmackDown. They're like, dude, tell us how you did it. How'd you get on Raw? <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you get the U.S. title? We need to know. Save us. Yeah. And R2 is like, hey, my good friends Richard O'Shea and Cedric the Entertainer. I'm like, that's great. That's really good. Yeah, just make them more characters, like comical yeah. jobbers. R2 is like, can't even I'm say the real name. Akira Tozawa and the ninjas. Or did I? Are you guys ninjas? Hmm. They do some, they do like some more comedy crap. R2 runs off. We'll go back to commercial because even these jobbers don't care about 24 7 title. 
Remember when when most everyone did, other than the big big stars? Yeah, they would they chase him backstage and all this stuff. I guess since they fired half of them, like EC3 and uh, Drake Maverick, I mean, they hired him back, but uh, most of the people who were chasing after the title are not there anymore. So I guess they, nobody, the people they have left are not interested in it. Yeah. Plus, we're in a pandemic as well. So I think maybe they're smart enough to know, like, I can't be chasing this title around 24 7. (laughs) I'm going to get the, makes sense. I'm going to get the COVID. Yeah. Uh, Apollo Crews wrestles MVP now. Now, if I were to tell you at the beginning of this show that your U.S. champion is going to wrestle MVP, and I, I'll let you guess who's going to win, who would you have picked? Uh, I would want to pick Apollo Crews. <laughs> well, that, that pick would have been wrong. Yeah, it sure MVP would have been. defeated Apollo Crews in a non-title match, because of course he did, because champions in WWE can't win non-title matches. It's dumb. Yeah, I mean, well, I felt like at least Paul Heyman seemed to be doing a pretty good job of keeping his champion strong. Like Drew McIntyre yeah. was pretty strong when he was there. Uh, and hey, Apollo Crews, once he started winning on Raw under Heyman, he you know came off really well, and he beat Andrade clean several times, won the title, and was doing pretty well with it. But once Heyman left, I thought, oh man. Not looking good for Apollo, and uh, yeah. yeah, not looking good for Apollo. <laughs> no, no. And so Bobby Lashley comes in and hits the master lock. That's right. I'm still going to call it that, the master lock, onto Apollo Cruz. But Richard the O'Shea Lashler and, lock. Yep, R- R- <laughs> the Lashley lock. Richard O'Shea and Cedric the Entertainer come in, and they attack Bobby Lashley until he breaks the hold. Go to commercial, and then Ricochet versus Bobby Lashley is happening. Bobby Lashley. I don't want to say he destroys Ricochet. He he, he handles him nicely. Yeah. I, good way and, to put it. And, and I told you, Ricochet doesn't do him any favors. He's kind of got the Dolph Ziggler thing where when he sells, he kind of sells like a jobber. Like he's getting hit by Lashley and he's just like flopping all around the, the ring and he's, he's just like he's dead. And I mean, I get it to an extent. You want Lashley to look good, but you also make Ricochet look bad when you do that, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think he was doing any favors for selling him that much for him, but I mean, WWE, I don't really blame the guy either. Cause they're not really doing anything with him. So maybe he's like, ah, what's, what's the harm in it? Yeah. Uh, it also didn't help that Cedric Alexander was on the outside when he was getting killed saying, come on, come on, Ricky, you got it, Ricky. What? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing, like, I'm just waiting for them to call him like little Ricky now. Like they got Shorty G on SmackDown now. We got Little Ricky. Oh, <laughs> maybe like, Little Ricky can tag with Little Jimmy and be tag team champions. I don't know. Or Shorty, we never G. did meet Little Jimmy. I'm upset about that. No, yeah. no, I miss I miss the days of Little Jimmy. So we have Sasha Banks and Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre and Oscar next. This match was very good. Bailey was on commentary the entire time. Uh, Banks pinned Oscar with what is essentially a roll-up. Yeah. And, like, you knew it was going to happen. It had to happen, right? Because at the beginning of the show, the baby faces stood tall. So at the end of the show, the heels have to stand tall. And obviously Drew isn't going to be pinned. So Asuka, even though we all want her to look strong, she got pinned. It's, yeah, I mean... It's fine. 
It's fine, sure. I guess. Yeah, she had the Oscar lock on, and she was able to roll through it and get a pin. So, and and Sasha's been on a roll. I mean, like if I mean if you could say anything good about it is she's been winning matches. She kind of deserves to be in the spot. Um, so it didn't. It's not like she's gone out there and losing to you know Nikki Cross on SmackDown, then coming out and beating Sasha or sorry beating Oscar uh, on Raw. So she's been winning. It's fine. Uh, Dolph Ziggler didn't pick up the win here, so that's good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was fine with it. And like I said, it was a pretty decent match for what it was. Yeah. So what I'm... Actually, look, before we move into anything, let's go ahead and grade this Raw. And it was weird. It, I don't know, because all the in-ring stuff was good. And even the non-in-ring stuff, a lot of it was fine. I actually really enjoyed this Raw, but I don't think there was anything exceptional on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to give it a B. I would I would probably say it was slightly better than SmackDown. I mean, SmackDown wasn't bad. It was just a nothing show with Taker, you know, focus on it. Yeah. This, this had some stuff that kind of aggravated me and made it harder for me to watch, but not like anything really bad. Um, just some stuff that was just kind of confusing and like Apollo losing and Viking Raiders losing, Ric Flair being there, Big Show being on the show the 24 seven title, like just didn't have great stuff on it. Uh, so I'd say it was slightly better than SmackDown. So I would give it a C plus. Hmm. Okay. Wouldn't quite, wouldn't quite give it a B. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it wasn't bad, but I just thought it was, it, it happened. Yeah. That's fine. So before we, uh, before we wrap up this show, you want to add anything? Anything you'd like to say? We finish in ninety minutes this time. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, like I said, the the COVID situation is a big deal. At least in WWE, I feel like AEW's done a pretty good job, and, and even to the point where, I mean, the world champion is in jeopardy of missing their main event, and they're totally fine with it because they want him to be safe. They want to keep the rest of their talent safe. And they're concerned about the global pandemic that we're going through. Uh, the other company, not as much to the point where they're, they're, they're taking precautions for their own benefit now. But as we could see with Ric Flair coming out on TV Monday, not for the benefit of everybody else. It's really just their own protection at this point. So, which is very WWE. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Uh, <laughs> after, Ric Flair walked out Monday. I was thinking about doing a Matt style boycott. I was already aggravated that they, <laughs> they really have done a horrible job of like protecting these superstars. Like I said, they've outright banned that they've gone out and said that they, you know, people are saying they haven't banned masks, but I mean, nobody's been wearing masks on SmackDown or raw in the crowd up until they had this thing. So, uh, and from many reports, people said that was Vince's call and that they didn't want people wearing masks on TV. Cause they are trying to pretend this thing doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, much like some other people in this country. So I totally believe that it sounds completely reasonable that that's what happened. So I believe it. And yeah, it's, it's, it came back to bite him. We've had a lot of superstars out this week. Uh, I mean, skeletons and crew on raw and SmackDown. Hopefully they're all healthy and it's just precautionary because they probably came in contact with someone like, you know, Renee or Jamie Noble, who was around several people. Uh, obviously it seems like all the people who have been confirmed to have it are recovering. So that's good. But 
yeah, WWE needs, needs to do better. Uh, yeah. They've done a pretty horrible job, um, but they could definitely do a lot better. And don't just do it because it looks bad and it's not good PR. Do it because you don't want your 70-year-old legend who uh, is obviously willing to risk his health to do whatever you need to do. Uh, don't do it, you know, in spite of his health or like, you know, to put him in harm's way. It's kind of uh, not good to kill people like that. So apparently they wanted to, in July, they wanted to run a small venue in Lakeland, Florida, which I lived there a little uh, for couple years where I went to college and it's only a few hours from where I live. They wanted to run a small venue with socially distanced fans. Uh, of course, with this second wave or whatever you want to call it, that has now been nixed. So now there's a man shooting for September, guys. September. Uh, and you know what? I, I hope that he can do it. I hope that everything is safe by then and that it is perfectly acceptable to run a show in September. I do not believe it to be. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong and I hope that it is. It just He wants to be the first guy to do it. He wants the WWE to be the first first company to run a live show. And that's not what's important right now. What's important is safety. So we'll leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauling. We are Wrestle Life Radio. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Excuse me, Instagram and Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio and Instagram at Twit and Twitter on Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. There you go. Got it out. Kyle, where can they follow you? That was a struggle. It uh, was a struggle. <laughs> so hard. I'm not editing it. That stuff's staying in. Uh, you can fo- follow me on Instagram at kyle.poly. There you go. Good stuff. Good stuff. I got like five of them to go through. You only have one. So it's just more <laughs> difficult for me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us this past hour and a half plus. We very much appreciate you, and we hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. Stay safe and stay healthy.